Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Well, so all of those led up to the final sermon in the series of God's prescription for your best year ever. And today it's about the awesome power of forgiveness. You know, and this is something that, that I understand all too well, and maybe um, it's unfortunate that I understand all too well, because I found myself um, in Afghanistan, and while I was over there in Afghanistan fighting one battle, my wife was back here um, in church fighting another battle. And, and what happened was there, uh, she had work, worked at a crisis pregnancy center and, and, and there was an attack that came and, and it didn't come from the people that you would expect it to come from. It came from people in the church. It came from other pastors. It came from my pastor. And so while I sat over there in Afghanistan, I got angry. And all I could think of was the betrayal that was happening, and, and I could do nothing about it. And you know, I realized it was probably a good thing that the Lord had me over there. Because I could, even after I got back, I didn't let it go. And fortunately, the Lord never put us in the same room, because I think if I did, I, I would have take, done something that I would be embarrassed today about. And, you know, I know that the Bible told me that I was to forgive them. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it says it right there. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So even though I knew that this Bible verse, not just this one, but many verses told me that I needed to forgive, I didn't. And for 18 months, I walked around in a spiritual wilderness. I was still going to church. I was still serving. But I was walking around in a spiritual wilderness. The Lord was not working in my life. And I remember very distinctly, I was driving down the road with my pastor at that time, and not the same guy, a different one. And he talked to me about it, and he said, Ronnie, you, you've got to forgive them. And I just looked across the, the truck seat and told him, I don't want to, and I'm not going to. How do you forgive something that seems to be unforgivable? I know I'm not the only person who's gone through that. Well, the answer is found in Jesus because Jesus gave us the example in Luke 23. In Luke 23, he gives us an amazing display of forgiveness while he was there on the cross. Imagine Jesus, the Son of God, completely innocent, surrounded by two criminals. In verse 32, it says, Two other men, both criminals, were also let out, 
and put to, a way to put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Now, I don't know if you understand exactly what was involved with the crucifixion, but it was excruciatingly painful. Matter of fact, not only was it physically painful, but it was humiliating. You were placed on this wooden cross naked, hung in the air for everybody to see. And then you, the crowd would come up and mock him and spit on him. And they would say things like, hell, the king of the Jews, because that was the sign that they put over his head. And here on one side was a criminal. And that criminal, all that he could offer was, save yourself, you've saved others. Yet while Jesus, for no reason of any actions that he had done, was hanging there on the cross, was treated such a way. In verse 34 it says, And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, Jesus gives us the example of forgiveness for what seems to be unforgivable. You know, if Jesus could forgive the people who not just killed him, but beat him, humiliated him, put him through probably more pain than uh, any humans ex had experienced before. If he's done that, he's given us the example of how we are to be when it comes to forgiving others. See, you know, most of you have been wounded. Matter of fact, if you do that pulse check again, you'll probably uh, be able to raise your hand that you've been wounded. Maybe someone's abused you. It might have been physically, might have been sexually, it might have been verbally maybe somebody's took advantage of you or betrayed you much like we experienced maybe they just gossiped and lied and maybe cheated cheated you out of something maybe it was a spouse that betrayed you or it was a christian who acted very unchristian like in the way that they behaved towards you and through events in your life maybe it was a parent and you've been holding a grudge for someone who's not even living. Maybe it was a child that you haven't spoken to in 10 years. And every day there's an emptiness in your soul because you don't reach out. Maybe it's not a big one-time offense. Maybe it's just something smaller. Maybe it's just the in-laws during the holidays. Maybe you're still bitter at God for something that's happened. Maybe you realize that not only you're bitter at God, but you're mad at yourself. You've done something, and you can't forgive yourself of it. You see, Jesus gave us a prescription for forgiveness. And this prescription is essential. It is required for us to be able to have our best year ever. So if, if you're carrying around a load of unforgiveness, no one sees it. But you feel it. You pick it up every morning. You sit it down every night before you go to bed. And if you find that you're carrying that around, you'll never experience your best year ever the way God planned it for you. So let me give you the twofold prescription that God gives you, that Jesus laid out. And the number one is this, that you pray for them. 
you need to pray for those who've hurt you. The Bible tells us in Luke 6, 28, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. That's some pretty strong words there. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now many of you are thinking about the country music theologian Jaron Lowenstein and his song about prayer. And here's some of the words to it. It says, So I listened to the preacher as he told me what to do. He said, you can't go hating others who've done wrong to you. Sometimes we get angry, but we must not condemn. Let the good Lord do his job. You just pray for them. And then, of course, he explains how he prays for the person who hurt him. He says, I pray your brakes go out running down a hill. I pray a flower pot falls from a windowsill and knocks you in the head like I'd like to do. Just know wherever you are, honey. I pray for you. You know, though, that's not what Luke 6.28 is talking about, is it? That's funny. I like to laugh at that. But that is not the praying that God is wanting you to do. Matter of fact, Jesus clarifies it in Matthew 5, verses 43 and 44. It says this, You have heard that it was said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Why would Jesus say you have heard that it's been said? Because they had heard that it was said. Matter of fact, all their life they were taught that you should love your neighbor and you should hate your enemy. You know, and they got really good at this. They were very good at loving their neighbors. Although they would ask, who's my neighbor? Trying to qualify that. And they were really good at hating their enemies. In verse 44 Jesus says this, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, Jesus was teaching a message that was counterculture. They had been taught all their lives to do the very opposite. And they had gotten very good at doing the very opposite. But that's not what Jesus wanted them to do. It was interesting because the Romans who had that time had conquered Jerusalem... They worshipped revenge as one of their gods. The Jews could kind of line up with that because they liked revenge. Matter of fact, the Jewish law said this, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. But that's not what Jesus said. You know, I think about myself. I remember, I've said this a hundred if not thousands of times. I don't get mad, I get even. And then I added a little bit to it, and I said, and then some. My favorite uh, superhero growing up was the Incredible Hulk. I used to tell my friends when I was little, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Now, I couldn't turn green, but I sure did act like it. I, just uh, recently, I re, uh, this past uh, week I was uh, in Maryland and, and I was able to go back and visit a couple places uh, in my childhood and I remember driving onto Aberdeen Proving Grounds and I remember seeing a field where I acted that out and I remember the anger I felt it again why because I didn't get mad I got even and then some 
Here's what I got to tell you. I'm going to tell you what, if Jesus were here in this pulpit, if Jesus were sitting beside you and holding your hand, here's what Jesus would say. Did someone hurt you? Pray for them. Has someone devastated your life? Pray for them. Has someone betrayed you? Pray for them. Pray for your friend that lied about you. Pray for your boss that mistreated you. Pray for the parent who left you. Pray for the friend who let you down. Why in the world would Jesus teach this type of forgiveness? Well, here's why I believe it is. See, if you wait for the feeling, you may be waiting until Jesus comes back. Matter of fact, some of you may be waiting until Jesus comes back because you're waiting for someone else to take the first steps. That's not what Jesus said to do. Matter of fact, um, our, here, write this down. If you don't write anything else down, this is what you need to write down. And that is, my prayers for others may or may not change them. My prayers for others may or may not change them. But they will always change me. You know, the Bible tells us that there's three, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is what? The greatest of these is love. Here's why I believe that is true is that our thoughts drive our behaviors. That's why Jesus told us is the number one point of the prescription for forgiveness is to pray for them. Because if you can't get beyond the Jared Lowenstein prayer, because if you can't pray good things for them, because that's what Jesus was talking about, if you don't know how to do that, guess what you will be doing? You'll be thinking about them. Matter of fact, there'll be, there'll be places you, you drive by. There may be words that you see. There may be books that you read. There may be TV shows that, that you turn on, and they'll remind you of that betrayal. They'll remind you of that offense. They'll remind you of that trespass. They'll remind you of that sin that they have committed against you. And you'll go right back to the day they did it. And you'll live that back out. And your body doesn't know the difference between the day they did it and when you, you're thinking about it 10 years later. You'll still have the same blood vessels pop out. You'll still feel the same anger. You'll still f- start burning up the same ulcer. And yet Jesus says, pray for them. Because see, if, when we learn to pray, when we learn to change our thoughts, when we learn to have faith, See, faith is a thought. It's a belief. And that belief creates an emotion, and the emotion is hope. And hope tells us this, that something good is about to happen. So like every time you see hope, that's what it's talking about. Something good is about to happen. But when you think about the hurt, when you think about the betrayal, when you think about the injury, are you thinking about something good's about to happen? Only if, They're in front of you and you're driving down the highway. Most likely, you're thinking bad things. And so you haven't even reached that level of faith. You haven't reached that level of prayer that that Jesus admonishes us to. And so from faith comes hope, and hope always manifests itself in love. You see, love is not an emotion, as many of us think. It's not the little hearts that we talked about on Valentine's. Love is an action. Love is something that you do. 
I could take you through 1 Corinthians 13 and I could show you everywhere, every action that it talks about love is an action. It's not a thought. It's not an emotion. It's something that you physically do. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's being mocked. He's being spit on. He's being treated like no human should have ever been treated. And yet he prays for them. He said, Father, forgive them. Did Jesus mean that? You better believe he did. Why? Because his actions, his love demonstrated that. You know Jesus didn't have to stay on that cross, right? You heard the song, he could have called 10,000 angels. But instead, Jesus said, I'll stay here. I will take this ridicule. I'll take this abuse. I'll take this. Why? Because I love them. God, forgive them. See, most of you are waiting for them to come to you and ask for forgiveness. And you won't offer it before that. Matter of fact, you'll convince yourself that that's what the Bible tells you. That you don't have to forgive them until. And and really, I'll tell you this, you don't have to forgive them. But if you don't forgive them, it's not them that you're hurting. Second point of this prescription is this. To forgive as you've been forgiven. In Colossians 3.13, it says, Forgive one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgive in each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. Now, thankfully, he didn't say, As your brother or sister forgave you, that's how you should forgive. Because I remember how they forgave me. They forgave me until they remembered it again. Thankfully, it didn't say how your mom and dad forgave you. Because somehow, my mom would forget it, and, but my dad would remember it when he got home. Going back through the uh, kids, well, they're not in here. But, but you remember in the day when, when dads took belts off and used them? I'm, I'm, I'm driving around with my best friend, and, and he says, I remember one day when your dad pulled a car over right here, and you and your sister were hanging on to the bumper, and he whooped you. Because his family was right behind us. Thankfully for the children, that is not in fashion today. So we don't forgive the way our parents forgive. We don't forgive the way our brothers and sisters forgive. We don't forgive the way our children forgive because it seems like they only forgive when we give them something. We're supposed to forgive the way Jesus did. And I don't know about you, but Jesus has forgiven me of a whole lot. Jesus has forgiven me of so much. And I would bet that Jesus has forgiven each of us the same. And here's the reality that true forgiveness is always demonstrated by actions. What was the action that Jesus demonstrated his forgiveness? He stayed on the cross. What are the actions that you're demonstrating? I learned this uh, going to a, a couple's seminar. And the guy that was teaching this, he said, you know, you can't stay mad while doing something good for somebody else. So you start praying, then you forgive them, and the demonstration of the forgiveness is usually in some kind of actions. Because many of you have told yourself that you forgave them, but you haven't. You know that. You know I'm telling the truth, and I'm speaking to your heart. 
because you wouldn't cross the street to help them today. And he said, you can't stay mad while doing something good for someone else. And, and I had recently, and Carrie and I had recently gone through a book called uh, The Five Love Languages. And I had learned that one of Carrie's love languages was acts of service. And so, um, I, I hate to even tell you this out loud, but I was mad at Carrie. I know that that is just not right. I mean, the, probably the most perfect human outside of Jesus on earth is my wife, Carrie. And I had gotten mad at her. Just an hour down the road from here in O'Fallon. Guys, I don't even remember why I was mad at her. I was just mad. But then I remembered the guy said, well, you can't stay mad at them if you'll do something good. And I was struggling with this. And so I decided to do something good. And, and, and I don't know if you've seen Carrie's car, but she's got this little blue hot rod. She likes the little blue hot rod. And so I backed the little blue hot rod out of the garage and then I slammed into the neighbor's house. No, I didn't do that. I backed it out. I went and got a bucket. I got the hose. I got some sponges. And I washed the car the best I could possibly do. I spent an hour washing and detailing her car for her. Now, what's really funny about this is that I, at some point, bring Carrie out. And she's like, oh, thank you so much. I didn't have the heart to tell her why I washed the car at the moment. Later on, we talked about it. I said, did you know the reason why I washed that car was because I was mad at you? She's like, no, I didn't know you were mad at me. That, yes, that'll preach. Let me ask you this. What good is it doing you to hold on to the grudge? What good is it doing you to say, I'll show them? You know where this happens? Anyone besides me ever got cut off in traffic? So I'm the only one in Centralia that, that happened to recently. Get cut off in traffic, and then all of a sudden, does that ruin your next 30 seconds? Yep. Does that ruin your next 30 minutes? Yep. For many of you, that ruined your next 30 days. Let me ask you this. How how much time did the person that cut you off give to that? Three seconds. They might have, the, Ooh, I'm sorry, but you didn't see that. Why? Because your eyes were red. There was smoke coming out of your ear and filled up the car. And so you carry that with you the rest of the day. Do you behave differently at work when you're mad at the person who cut you off at 8 o'clock that morning? You better believe you do. Do you behave differently to your coworkers? You better believe you do. Do you behave differently to your family when you get home? You better believe you do. Matter of fact, just telling the story gets you angrier and angrier. And how many times that day did you tell the story to yourself? Not ten times, not a hundred times, probably thousands of times. Yes, unless you have short-term memory. Thank you, Romy. But here's the reality. Anne Lamont says it this way, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Folks, I know many of you, as I started talking, when you saw the awesome power of forgiveness, you thought, oh yeah, well, if they, the awesome power of them coming to me and saying, please forgive me. I abused you. I treated you wrong. I've done something. 
and you didn't realize the awesome power of forgiveness is you taking the first step. You walking to them. You praying for them. You forgiving them just the way that Jesus forgave you. You staying up on the cross that you've put yourself on. But yet treating them differently. Here's what you need to do today. If you are harboring unforgiveness, if you are carrying around that backpack full of weights about other people, you need to take it to God. That's step one in prayer. Probably that first prayer is not going to be the best one, is it? And so what you need to do is you need to continually take it to God in prayer until your thinking changes. You'll know when your thinking changes about that. Because when your thinking changes from what you're going to do to them to what God could help them with, you change from fear to faith. When you change from fear to faith, you change to hope. And hope always demonstrates itself in love. And you'll take action. You'll wash the car. If you see them in Walmart, you'll forgive them for cutting you off. So we take it to God in prayer, and then we follow it up with action. We let it go. We let it go. We don't bring it back to church with us next week. We don't take it to our Facebook account. We don't put it in an email. We don't text it to them. We let it go. You see, that's what Jesus did. That's the way Jesus forgave us. Matter of fact, I was talking with a friend uh, earlier this week, and, and he was talking about the verse where, you know, it talks about that Jesus separates our sins from the east as far as the east is from the west. But it also said that Jesus puts the sins behind him. He says, you know what that means? That means when Jesus turns over this way, where are the sins? They're behind him. And then if he turns back over here, where are the sins? Uh, I, I don't mean you all. So whichever way Jesus is facing the sins that, that we brought to him, and he's already forgiven us for them. See, Jesus wants us to be the same way. He wants us to be like Jesus, just like him. I'm here to tell you that forgiving someone will not change the past. It won't undo it. It won't take away the hurt. It won't remove the scars. It won't take away the memory of the bruises. It won't take away the pain. but it will change your future. And folks, that's all you've got. All you have is your future. And so here's what I would tell you is set the prisoner free. That's right. The prisoner's you. Today, many of you, just like I did, are walking around in a spiritual wilderness because you're harboring unforgiveness towards someone. Maybe it's toward a lot of someone's. And you can't let it go. And you can't pray for them with a clean conscience. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus is telling you that you have to. Not for their sake, for yours. Because God has a plan for you. 
and your act of unforgiveness will probably derail that plan. And you won't figure that out for 30 years. And you know what? You're not going to get those 30 years back. All you'll have is what's left, your future. God wants to change your future. If you would, bow your head, close your eyes, and just listen to me for a few minutes. Folks, this is not an easy sermon to preach, but this is maybe the most important sermon in this series. For us to be able to forgive when we don't have to, when we don't want to, and when everything in our, every fiber of our being tells us that we can't. But if you'll, let me ask you this. How many in here, just by, a, keep your eyes closed please, just by, by, a, by a show of hands, says there's someone that I need to forgive. Go ahead and put your hands back down. For those of you who raised your hand and said there's somebody I need to forgive, maybe you're um, struggling with one of those two steps. And you would say, you know, there's somebody that I need to forgive, but I'm, I need help praying for them. Would you raise your hand and allow me to pray for you right now? Folks, put your hands up. Don't, this, is, this is the time where you want freedom. You want to be relieved from this burden. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you've seen the hands. God, as you see the hands, you've seen more importantly the hearts. Lord, I'm just asking you, Lord, that you will help them to follow your prescription and to pray. Lord, I pray that they would be consistent and grow in that prayer until the point where they can take action and seek forgiveness and give forgiveness. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with the second step, that you need to forgive somebody, but, but you need help forgiving them. If that's you, would you raise your hand today? Let me pray for you. Just keep your hand up as, as I pray. Lord, you're, you see, you see the, the hands? God, I ask that you would just... Allow your Holy Spirit to transform them right now. And God, help them to see all of the sins that, that we've been forgiven and offer that same forgiveness to those that they're holding a grudge, holding offense against, holding trespasses, holding sins. Folks, I won't, uh, if you would, stand to your feet. Maybe you're here this morning, and you, you don't know what it's like. You, you, what I just talked about does not make any sense because you've never experienced the forgiveness that God gives. If that's you, I would encourage you. I'm going to be up here as Carrie plays through. I'm not just play through one verse. If you want to find out, come forward. If you, if, if you, you don't do it while the invitation is being held, stay after and talk to me. If you need help praying or forgiving somebody, I'd love to pray with you. But I can't do it for you. Folks, this is what our church needs. Our church needs to let go. Our church needs to, to let the past be the past and allow God to change our future. Folks, God is about to do something incredible.
Are you going to be a part of it? Don't let your pride, don't let what's going on in your heart and the conflict that you're experiencing right now hold you back. Allow you to stay in that spiritual wilderness and just keep stumbling around. Coming to church, but holding on to that that sin. Give the forgiveness freely, just as Jesus offered it up while he was hanging on the cross like no man should have. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.